Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. Hey guys, just a quick reminder that this is part two of our discussion with Dr. DeCatz. If you'd like to listen to the first part of this discussion, head over to episode 170. Welcome back, Tom. Thank you for coming back to part two. We, um, <laughs> we we felt like we ended our last one prematurely. I know we didn't include that in the actual sort of podcast that went out, but we, we had a few more questions yep. about the actual lumps that people present with and a few yep. questions about how you go about investigating these people. So yep. even if we just squeeze half an hour out, I think it would be valuable for the listeners. Um, yeah, how was your week anyway? What have you been up to very briefly? Oof. Uh <laughs> solving uh, solving adverse events right all day every day so uh we we get about one yeah vascular adverse event um every two every two days right. most of them the netherlands but also from abroad and the uh, people from all around the world they they they, they contact us uh for uh for information but also patients that find us on the internet and they ask us questions. Uh, I live in Australia. Who should I see? I say, uh, for sure, don't go to Jake's home. <laughs> Stuff like that. Definitely not. I need to learn my ultrasound skills first. Is is there a um? What's the most common type of occlusion that you're getting? What area of the face is it? The lips or I'm assuming. Yeah, I would say the lips. Yeah, I would say the lips because that's also a treatment that is very popular so mm. it's very logical that yeah. that is a treatment yeah yeah fair enough yeah. so for the people who are just joining us for the first time we we recorded a previous episode just out last week um and i, I guess the topic was soft tissue filler adverse events and, and what do we do about them you know who, who to see what's going on what's happening when the filler goes in the face what's the body's normal immune response and we spoke a little bit about bacteria but what we run out of time for is what you know what are you actually seeing in your clinic when when a patient comes with a lump on their face maybe we'll just sort yeah. of talk maybe t tell us through a real life example so a doc you know a doctor refers to you patient turns up at your clinic at um, the university hospital, what, what do they complain of? What's their typical story? And, and we'll just call it a lump for now rather than an actual diagnosis. Yeah, yeah but, but that happens a lot, the lump. And there are a few reasons why somebody could have a lump. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, when uh, the companies, they bring a new, very thick filler on the market then all doctors get a lot of adverse events because it's the first time they use that specific product it's true yeah so if that if that product should be placed on the periost and they place it too superficial then patients have lumps yeah and then they come to us and you should always keep in mind that um all medicine is like uh, most of the time paid for by the health insurance companies and is done in hospitals. But what we do, injecting Botox and fillers, patients, clients have to, to pay for themselves. So they want to look pretty. They didn't. And then somebody has to solve it. And at our outpatient clinic, we have so much experience. We're able to solve it, but we're not gods. Mm. So we cannot create a miracle. And I always explain the injecting part was really easy. Yeah. And the doctor got your money really easy. But solving the problem isn't that easy. So the client comes to us. I do the explaining part. Then I uh, look with ultrasound. And if you look with ultrasound, you see a, a, a black lump. 
And uh, when you do the ultrasound course with Leonie and Peter, they will dive into it, but I'll keep it very simple in this podcast. You can really actually see it. So I explained it before, but in time, ultrasound will be the stethoscope of cosmetic medicine. Uh, very nice tagline. First, we were blind and now we can see. And that, that's funny in many ways. So uh, I can really see where the HA filler 95% of the cases HA filler is injected and I inject hyaluronic uh, days yeah. and I can j- and inject it uh, ultrasound guided. Can, can I just wheel you back? What, what has the patient experienced prior to seeing you? Is it pain? Is it just disfigurement? Is it there from the start? In, in, Does it come and go? You know, in, tell us about what they would normally complain in of. In the specific case of just having a lump or a, or a I don't know how you call it, a bump, lumps mm-hmm. and bumps, then, then it's just a disfigurement. It's, it's a, again, they went in to look more pretty and they ended up looking uh, less pretty and mm. they want to get uh, rid of the, the, the lump or the bump. How do you, and, f- um, what, what about if the patient, I, I've had this before myself, where the filler might be relatively fresh a couple of weeks in, it's maybe not fully integrated, maybe still got some swelling. And it's not so much that you can see it, but they just feel it. And I think some patients, when they can feel something, it, it's disturbing to them that they, they, they wonder if they've, you know, if it's normal or yeah. not. That, that's quite common early on. But that, that, my friend, we also mentioned before, uh, you and I, we explain this to clients. Mm-hmm. We say that in the first few weeks, up to four weeks, there is a normal immune response of your own uh, um, uh, immune system that fights t- to foreign body. Yeah. But if you still have it after like, two months or three, four, five, six months, then they usually end up uh, seeing me. Yeah. I remember he, David had a story. He, you know, he's got filler in his face. Mm. Tell us about what happened one day when you had flu. I just got, it wasn't even a, any like a, a flu that was peculiar. It was just like a normal cold. I was feeling a little bit run down, a little bit like tired and a bit achy. And I woke up one day and I looked like the elephant man. Um, and I just felt my face looked like, like, puffy it swollen it looked like i'd had way too much filler injected it was almost like it had activated all the filler in my face or some sort of inflammatory response mm. and um it took i don't know it kind of calmed down on its own after around about i don't know two days i wasn't too stressed because i sort of had an inkling that it was probably just some sort of immune response to the filler but it was quite at first it was quite a bit of a shock and then i sort of rationalized it in my head as to, to what it would be but it, it hasn't happened since and it had never happened before it yeah. was just this one freak occurrence when I when I had a flu. And and how long after was it? Months, years after filler? Oh, month, month oh, maybe even years. Okay. I hadn't hadn't had anything recently. It was it was there was nothing that I could say. Oh, because it was kind of all over the place where I had had where I had fillers in before. So I saw in my cheeks. I'd had some in my chin to correct some asymmetry a few years ago. So it's sort of like it, it wasn't, it was just everywhere in the face. It, it wasn't in one particular zone. It was mm. everywhere. And Tom, would you agree that the time of the swelling is important in terms of the diagnosis? In that specific case of David? Or, or well, I guess when, when you get any patient coming to you, obviously if they were fine for six months and then, you know, they get a flu, it, it's more likely not yeah. to be, you know, bacteria that's been injected in or maybe not. I don't, I don't know. You tell me. No, 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 no. It gets a bit it's confusing. A multi, it, no, yeah, it's a, it's a multifactorial problem. So uh, I always use the metaphor of the plane crash. So flying with a plane is very safe. But if it's the first time that the, the pilot does this route, uh, he hasn't slept well. Uh, people at the ground before the, they, the, they went um, up in the air uh, did something wrong. Uh, the, the co-pilot is also uh, not trained. So all the aspects together, they give that that elephant man face that David experienced. I see, we see that a lot, but I can explain it because of the multifactorial problem. So in David's case, he didn't, he didn't sleep well. He, he, he might have had the flu. Uh, high, uh, higher stress level, uh, not taking care of himself, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and sometimes it could even be that those bacteria are there injected with the initial treatment. It's all good, 
But at a certain point, they build up and build up, and there's a one uh, bacteria that uh, has the, the biggest of the best circumstances in that biofilm, mm. and uh, it, it erupts. So, but it, it sometimes, or yeah, it can easy, easily be without bacteria and just your immune system. Uh, re, uh, in, in the next few weeks, also another article of, of ours will be published about COVID. Many have already published about it, but also that's the same. So you get a COVID, um, anti-COVID uh, injection and, 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 and your, fa- your immune system starts to work. So that's supposed to happen. And then your immune system also starts to work to that foreign body that uh, three years later should not have been there. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I didn't have any patients myself who, you know, had had a COVID vaccine related issue, but we were talking about amongst colleagues and I said, you know, in a, in a weird way, as long as it calms down and it's all good, you can actually say to your patient, isn't it reassuring that all that filler that you spent all that money on, it's still there. You know, it hasn't gone. There's proof. Silver lining. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And and the great thing about having so much knowledge as that uh, we have, I can explain uh, my patients with uh, with a how do you call it with a so much um, I'm so self secure about what I know that I that also the uh, psychological part of me explaining or Leonie or Peter explaining yeah we have seen this so many times yeah. so I can explain it and it gives so much um, reassurance to the patient that yeah yeah it, it, it it's it's literally true what i'm saying yeah so they go home and they know yeah it will be okay yeah so if somebody's face is swollen post uh covid vaccine yeah we've seen that i think like in 80 percent of the cases without medication or anything it's all good yeah. and it, it it turns out okay yeah I, i've managed maybe under 10 patients with a similar story in my whole career uh, not always injected by me but it's always a similar story a flu a chest yeah. infection a sinusitis a uti a dental but my problem. dear friend you but my dear friend you are also gonna create uh adverse events of course and you will also get a vascular adverse event for that's also something very important that we're doing uh, uh, medicine, so it, it's it's cosmetic medicine, but it's medicine. So yep. we're doing a treatment. How minimal invasive it is, it is a treatment. And if you do treatments, you will get adverse events. So what we can do is try to make that chance of getting an adverse event as, as low as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I wondered if we could try and classify or, or you tell us h- how you decide what type of lump something is. Is it through the story? Is it through the timing? Is it only on ultrasound that you can definitively say, when do you do a tissue biopsy? You know, a lot of the, um, the names of these lumps has, has got a bit confusing over the years and, and various authors have called it different things. But what we were describing with David, I would call a delayed onset type reaction or delayed onset nodules some people are now calling that late onset reactions so just slightly different what do you call it fine so it it all means the same thing yeah it's all means the same the fact is is that uh, i think that you have a delayed and and that is the the definition of delayed some some say two months some say six months i i don't care as long as i can help uh, Mm. Uh, the patient but in some cases there is really something uh, inflammatory mm. and that can be due to the immune system uh, which can be uh, uh, there, there can be a genetic predisposition in, uh, i think but also because of bacteria and in that case and if a patient is willing to undergo a biopsy for again they went in to look better they came to me and they want this they want the red pill and if they take it everything is gone yeah. then again i have to explain that that's not possible in some cases we take a biopsy and that's also in my thesis the, the funny thing is that even in those delayed onset uh, immune responses uh, uh, we only saw uh, 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 macrophages so th- that's that's very interesting for that's 
like that would say that that's only innate immune system and, and no delayed immune system in those cases. And that, that's very interesting. We have to look way, way deeper into that. But also that is something that uh, hasn't been done uh, that much yet. So that's, oh man, so, so much to do. My immunology is poor and it was even poorer when I studied you know, <laughs> medical school. Just yeah. it, it was quite technical, but what you're saying in that sentence is that it's not a type four hypersensitivity reaction. It's something different. Yeah, we, we we proved that in another article. Right. So we've got we've got uh, uh, we've taken twenty patients who had a humongous lip after filler treatments, and like twice the face. Mm-hmm. And one could say, I'm allergic to fillers. But yes. we took those patients and some, together with a professor in allergology, uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, and we took like 10 brands of fillers, we injected it in the skin, no reaction in all cases, eh? yeah. in all cases. So we, do, we believe that that type 1, type 4, that, that, that doesn't happen with fillers in our humble opinion. That's interesting. Yeah, it's often said that, you know, these things happen and, you know, it's always the lip yeah, because the lip... But that's, yeah, but that's, that's the... We discussed it last time. Everybody is talking BS <laughs> and they're all talking, oh, I heard this and I heard that and somebody said this. Look into it. Yeah. Stop injecting and, and making heaps of money, but looking look into it. I love the attitude. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. And then the innate and, and delayed, I wasn't that good, but still not that good. I, 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 I superficially touched the uh, immunology, superficially touched bacteriology, superficially touched genetics. If I talk to, about it to specialists, they say, Tom, you don't know shit. And I say, okay, thank you. Thank you very much. But uh, so I don't know shit, but it's quite easy. So the, the macrophages, they come when something is injected inside the body and that's how what's supposed to happen. And then do the, uh, do the macrophages in time, the T cells know, okay, if this comes again, then I can respond. And that's the delayed immune system. So it's quite simple. But the funny thing is, one should say, you see, uh, should also say, say, see T cells. So maybe it was our group of patients, or maybe we didn't see too much patients, but it's a start. And hopefully, again, it's a start for others to build on. Yeah. You you raise a really a really good point, and perhaps I'm not the best person to make this comment because I'm not a medical professional and I don't inject. But I have owned businesses in this space for a very long time, and I've had lots of medical professionals working for me. And, and you raise a good point around people just injecting. I wouldn't maybe impunity is the wrong word, but it feels like there's a lot of doing, but sometimes not a lot of thinking, um, or just listening yeah. or listening to what another injector's told them or what they've read on a forum somewhere or what they've seen in a Facebook group or an Instagram post. And there's yeah. a lot of people who just follow. Like I've heard all sorts of crazy rumors over the years about this product does this and this product does that and this product migrates yeah. and this one doesn't or this toxin works better. But no one's actually tested it for yeah. themselves. No one's actually <clears throat> thought about it deeply. There's a lot of just listening to dogma and old wives' tales and mm. what their colleagues um, have yeah. said before them. And, they, and then they sort of don't go any further than that. Yeah, but the big problem also lies in the uh, pharmaceutical companies. And That's they are, true. Uh, they are most of the time not my friends and they know it. I don't fucking care. Yeah. But <laughs> we are doing the post-market civilians. Yeah. So when, like for medication, you have to go through different phases. Yeah. But in reality, we, the injector, are doing those different phases with the, the fillers we are injecting. Mm. So luckily enough, in Europe, rules and regulations are getting more... Uh, uh, rigorous. Yeah, more rigorous. And we now have 150 HA fillers in the Netherlands there you go. Uh, in, in Europe. Dave and I were talking off air and I said 200, but not, not far off. It's crazy. Yeah, but but the, the thing is, um, uh, pharmaceutical companies, me, myself... I could uh, create my own HA filler and say it looks like the HA filler 
who all, uh, already gone through all uh, kinds of rules and regulations like 10 to 20 years ago, the so-called Me Too. And then uh, I can also bring it <laughs> onto the market. But that, that's crazy. Yeah. And as a result of that, there are a lot of bad products uh, on the market. And like I would say like the top five, six um, pharmaceutical companies, they are okay. And they have big R&D divisions. They put a lot of effort and that a lot enough effort to put it on the market. But still, we are doing the post-market civilians. So if everybody from all around the world says to me, Tom, I have an adverse event, I always say first, make sure you mention it to the pharmaceutical company for mm. they want to know there was an adverse event. Yeah. And maybe they should try harder to get those uh, doctors to um, to uh, mention it themselves. Yeah. Mm. For uh, I think there's a, a I call it a lacune and uh, a lack of uh, yeah. No, that's Most true. Yeah, look, I speak to people about complications every day, and yet I'm sure half of these aren't reported to the companies, and so it's not the company's yeah. fault. They 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 only know what they're told. Yeah, yeah, that's one side of the story. The other side of the story is. <laughs> so we talked about the MD codes, and we make joke about it, jokes about it, my friend. So MD codes means heaps and heaps of filler injection injecting so heaps and heaps of money for the doctor and heaps and heaps of money for the pharmaceutical company uh, look, so that's the reason I, i'm going to challenge that a little bit I, I know what you're implying that if if you follow you know the the full steps and a year's plan you might do 12 mils or or more or less but you know it, it's probably more than your, than your average but i think that's because it's commanding the whole face whereas many injectors fill a line here fill a line there and you know it's just different but i i hear your point carry on no, but you are not the problem, Jake. The problem is young doctors stopping being a neurosurgeon or a cardiologist, seeing that Jake and Tom having the time of their life, <laughs> having time for their family, uh, scientific things, going to congresses, uh, making great podcasts, uh, hugging with their friend uh, David, and, and making enough money to be there for their family and their and, and their friends. And they're working in the hospital and they think, whoa, I should also do that. And uh, is there a way to do a training? Yes, I'm already a doctor. I do the MD codes and they start injecting and they don't have the skills. They, they are not mm. artists. They don't have the knowledge and they start injecting and injecting. And I, I think that is the big problem. So the well, to, to qualify what you just said, the problem isn't the MD codes, and the problem's the injector and the lack of training. And and we've discussed this it, it, so many times. It's it, it, it's a combination, in, in my humble opinion. So if somebody is starting to inject, I say go to uh, do the MD codes mm -hmm. and take parts of it that suit you. But if you start, start using one or max 2 ml and don't do the four five six seven for then they come to me with their patients saying dr de cates unfortunately i injected too superficial i say now this is a very new and very thick uh, ha filler yeah. this is going to be a hard one to dissolve yeah. so in the end for you me david it's all about uh, happy patients getting less adverse events uh, and, and and creating and training good doctors. Yeah, I've I've seen I've heard reports and I've seen bits and pieces of of, of training, not particularly to the MD codes, but a lot of these um, injecting presentations or demonstrations where you'll get a patient that's been perfectly selected, they like local anaesthetic up to the eyeball, um, and they're getting you know ten plus mils put in their face in one time, and you've got like young injectors who are watching this and it's it doesn't seem to be realistic it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's real life it's almost like watching you know when you watch like a fashion parade and you see these people wearing all these like crazy clothes and then but that's not what people wear on the street it mm -hmm. sort of becomes a watered down version of what actually ends up hitting the markets in terms of what people are actually going to wear and it feels like it's similar to the way that injecting is being presented it's almost like fantasy land i, I yeah. may sound defensive tom because i teach the md codes but i i think what you're absolutely right when you see someone on stage doing 10 15 18 mils of filler 
I think everyone in the crowd knows that's not real life. But the point is, and, and this isn't from a safety perspective, but an aesthetic perspective, it's to show what is possible. You know, like, you know, you know, your fashion shows that you might aspire to something, but realistically, you're not mm. going to do that tomorrow, but yeah. you might save up every year and, and buy that well, nice coat. Well, I know from personal experience when I've had injectors in my businesses that have gone and done these courses, they come back and for the first two or three months after they've come back, their volumes increase by huge percentages just based on the influence of going to these conferences and, and seeing oh, these yes. multi-mill yeah, yeah, yeah. From a business perspective, and I that's see it. good. I mean, yes. it's, I'm looking at it going, wow, that's, but listening to what Tom's saying, it's like, well, should we, should we be really encouraging like these sorts of volumes? I don't know the answer to the question, but it's an interesting discussion. My, I mean, Tom definitely said in, in episode one, and, and it's even made me think about my own practice, but obviously more volume you put in, there's more exposure to your immune system. That's, that's just obvious. Yeah. Yeah, we see each other in Paris, so we can talk about it for a very long time. <laughs> a few free things. One, I use the MD codes uh, myself. Mm. Two, I feel you, but then the doctors on stage shouldn't, they should disclaim more. They should say more, this is not real life. As, as, as. Agreed. And three, and and this is very, very important. There are a lot of clients who want to look like this. Mm. And if I say to them, they're stupid uh, and they look like shit, they could go to a crook or a villain around the corner who is not well-trained and skilled and injects 20 milliliter and, and things go wrong. So I embrace those people who want a lot and I explain them and I don't charge them anything and I direct them to a colleague of mine who is very skilled in injecting uh, uh, lots of product and lots of, uh, of milliliters. Yeah. So cosmetic medicine is fantastic and it brings people uh, joy, uh, all parties uh, in, the, in the circle of cosmetic medicine. So there are patients who want other things that I'm really uh, that other things that I'm willing to provide and I um, refer them to two colleagues of mine yeah I'm, look you need an experience injector full stop I'm mindful of your time again so I'm going to move you back to our patient with a lump when you've got your ultrasound probe yeah. on you said you see you see a black um, you know object that that is your HA filler what, what's your process then obviously you, you visualized it so how do you decide whether you leave things alone because it's the immune system that's just overactive and it might calm down on its own versus hyalazing versus steroids versus antibiotics like what is your algorithm when you when you see someone that with that lump yeah so if there's uh, redness and swelling uh, and you see a volume that's bigger than the volume that, it, that it's injected, then it's probably an abscess. Mm -hmm. And if you have an abscess, you probably have to uh, drain it. So you do it and you add uh, antibiotics. If there is a redness, but you don't see um, uh, more volume that, than was injected, and you see some whitish on the back of the, uh, the, the blackness, then you know, that's that's more immune mutilated mm -hmm. and then you could give uh, oral uh, prednisone mm -hmm. and if it's uh, a lump that's not red and it's the volume that was injected then it's uh, probably placed too superficial um, and then you can inject ironidase. that's fantastic that's actually a really good summary so There'll be many injectors, especially outside of Holland, because I know in Holland it's just doctors um, who are injecting, but many injectors would not feel, feel comfortable draining an abscess. I mean, I've done hundreds all over the body, but you know, many people, even experienced injectors who, who have done it in hospital, their clinic won't be sort of, they won't have the right equipment, etc. So this is where it gets tricky. People don't know where to put these people or who, who to send them to. What, what, what's your view from a business perspective? Oh, I mean, I think that when you look at how quickly the market's growing and there's almost, it might be starting to even out now, but there seems to be more demand than there is supply. A lot of the time there's so many, so many um, injectors that are opening up their own businesses and many of them are still within their first two to three years 
of injecting. And so draining an abscess um, is something that I would say many of them would feel very uncomfortable. They don't have the right equipment there. Um, they would probably freak out if they had to try and do that in their own practice. So I feel on the face. I think that the industry has grown faster than our safety protocols and, and infrastructure and a lot of these businesses have been set up to handle in the event when these things go wrong. That's just my personal view from what I've seen. No, but the future is that in every country, every country there's an adverse event, uh, adverse event group. Yeah. And uh, in, in every city and uh, at some point, every doctor knows what to do for... With all the respect for our own cosmetic medicine, it's not rocket science. Yeah. Do you guys in Holland, the Amsterdam group, as, as you kind of are known around the world, do you think that you would eventually offer almost a way of learning the business model so, so that can be scaled across different countries? You know, what you yeah. do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that uh, what Peter and Leonie are doing with Cutaneous, the ultrasound training, that, that's, that's step one. Yeah. But we are like uh, three... Um, four or five uh, crazy and enthusiastic <laughs> Dutch uh, people. Business model, business model, not that good. A lot of love. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but that's, that's why I appreciate um, being here. And that's why I appreciate seeing you in Paris. And in Paris, uh, I will talk to so many people. Uh, and, and hopefully, yeah, I can make more people enthusiastic about uh, it's not only uh, making heaps and heaps of money. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's important. I mean, most injectors will see as, you know, Jake's had a, I don't know how many occlusions you've had, a few, I don't three know. Three in 14 three. years. And I mean, so even someone who's experienced as you, you've seen three in 14 years, you're seeing these every second day. You've got so much data there and so much experience that you can then feed back yeah. to the community. It's so important because no one's seeing these sorts of numbers that you are. I mean, you don't get no. good. you don't get good at something by not doing it. Correct. You have to be doing it all the time to get that skill. Yeah. And so that's why it's so important what you're doing. And that's why we, we love having we love having you on here. wanted to have you back because we need to we need to spread this information to as many people as possible so that as a global community, we can become better at what we do and, and safer at what we do. Yeah, I fully agree with that, my friend. Definitely. Going back to what you said about uh, if it's not, you know, looking like an abscess or, or needing draining, it's just a lump that potentially high layers would deal with what sort of volumes and, and dilutions do you guys tend to use for you know these little lumps yeah th that's also very easy so the amount that was injected in mls you use in irony days so oh. so one mil equals how many units uh yeah if you have 150 unit files you uh, dilute it with one ml uh, saline and, mm -hmm. and then you inject one, one ml. Okay, so in Australia and I know the UK, we get 1,500 unit vials. I know in America, it's 150 Hylonex, so slightly different, but you're saying uh, probably one vial of 1,500 units for one millifiller, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like the problem is things change with ultrasound. So with ultrasound and a lot of skill, you can inject um, ultrasound guided. Yeah. So for instance, um, like very smart people like uh, Claudio De Lorenzi, he, he wrote an article about draining uh, in Hironi days. So he's talking about injecting vials and vials and vials and vials. But that's something you do if you don't have ultrasound. Yeah, if you're or blind. Or you don't know where you're injecting. Yeah, you're just flooding and hoping for the best. Yeah, exactly. So, but with ultrasound, then you inject the amount that you injected in, um, in filler in Hyoni days. Right. So taking this back to numbers again, if you're looking at this thing under a probe, you can see a black blob. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and it's all targeted. How many units might go into the center of that blob to to dissolve it? So if it was half a, milli, uh, half a, a milliliter, then mm -hmm. I would use half a milliliter Hyolase right. uh, or Hyolidase. And in Holland, it's then uh, uh, files of 150 units. Okay. So it's probably about 75-ish units. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So yeah, much smaller numbers. 
one one to one. Yeah. yeah, and and I get I gather it's similar. We're going off topic now, but when you if you can see an occlusion, you can see the part of the vessel that appears to be occluded. Same thing. You can target inside yeah. the lumen small amounts of hyalase and and get much more success because you're visualizing it. Yeah, we we uh, uh, how do you call it? We made our hypothesis better on that subject, but we did not wrote an article about it, or we we did and submitted it. But we will tell you more about it when when it's published. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to do this to death, but it's amazing what you just said about the ultrasound and you know your your little sort of triaging of, of what the lump is because here almost no one has ultrasound yeah. apart from a handful yeah. of people and every time i hear but about the, the ultrasound wise the credits go to to mostly to leonie and peter so that's true they are the the, the queen and king of ultrasound and i am their uh, small irritant prince <laughs> <laughs> well i was gonna say you know most people when i hear about a complication uh, and it's exactly what you said before about facebook forums yeah. and whatsapp groups you'll hear a hundred different opinions and some yeah. people say throw everything antibiotics and uh, particular yeah. antibiotics that make no sense and steroids and hyalase and do everything <laughs> at once uh they panic they don't think about it and um you know i, I just think we need to get better this this is this is very bold but i say to everybody stop listening to other people and contact me yeah all right we're going to advertise your what, number at the end what's your this. email address uh <laughs> yeah. tom no but, but i'm not kidding eh yeah. so from all around the world we get texts and emails but that's why i think we are on this earth yeah. we are on this earth to help other people and I have the strength, the love, and the knowledge to share. You're going to regret this, Tom, because we get about no, twenty no, to forty thousand listens. I, 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 I already said to no, I already said to you last week or the other time we saw each other or yeah. spoken to each other that I was in London and a plastic surgeon was on stage and he said, "I regret the day I wrote an article about complications. Yeah. For now, people contact me." And I was what the fuck. You became a doc to help other people. Yeah. Yes, it takes time, but again, we are on this earth to help other people, especially as a doctor. Well, there you go, guys. You heard it. We're going to put Tom's details at the bottom of the podcast description and feel free to ask your weird and wonderful questions about lumps and occlusions and other scary things. <laughs> For Ho real. Hopefully not blindnesses. Have you managed any blindnesses in your clinic? Yeah, once, but unfortunately the doctor... <laughs> He was in such a panic that he he uh, he contacted he contacted us on the uh, on a, the too late stage. Right. Uh, so how long prior? Sorry. Post. Or, yeah. How long post did did you get contacted? Same day or after? Two two days. Oh my right. goodness. I mean, you tell me you're the expert, but we we think that you've sort of got this golden hour where something might be possible to achieve and if you can get them to a center and and somehow get some highlays behind you know into the in, into the eyeball and the circulatory system you might have a, a response but after that hour or two yeah. the feeling is that well, it's probably also that's, that, that, that's something we think and uh, with some uh, eye doctors we went to into the science behind that and two mouse and one rabbit and uh that those are the, the the facts that everybody bases the one hour on. Mm. Yeah, nobody knows, and there there are some claims of people who uh, were able to reverse it. Yes. Yeah. Are you are you willing to uh, to uh, to open up the eye and put it in? Woo. Yeah. It, look, it's scary, but. I you know, I've done it once on a cadaver just to learn the technique. And if I had a patient yeah, yeah, yeah. genuinely on my table who who went blind, I, I don't know. I think. I, yeah, but how do how do you know that she went or he went blind? Well, exactly. That's, that's the point. Also, that is the point. But, that, but that's very important that you have to. You also have to be trained. Yes. In, in, in visual acuity, etc. Looking whether they're blind or not. For you could also blind somebody by putting the needle in. And that's the problem. I mean, you know, you get anxious patients, and I've definitely had this oh. myself, who will say, "I can see things floating." my yeah, eyes gone yeah. fuzzy and and maybe it's genuine because of their anxiety is giving them those psychosomatic yeah. feelings it or is. maybe they're just close to fainting and that's what's <laughs> happening who knows but you know 
I've never genuinely had someone who's had a visual acuity no, issue. Thank I, God. I hope you you never call me. <laughs> I hope I never call you either, Tom. What about um, lumps that are slightly different? So you look under an ultrasound probe, and let's say um, I know you need a tissue biopsy to prove it. But what does a granuloma look like under an ultrasound? Does it look different or not? Not you. You can't say that. You can't say that. What you can say see is that you see some whitish surrounding it, mm-hmm. and and in our humble opinion. That means a response of the immune system, inflammatory response. Right. But yes, you can only say um, uh, a real granuloma because of taking a biopsy. So once you visualize these things on ultrasound and you've decided, you know, this is what I'm going to do, how many are non-responsive and then need extra, um, you know, management? For example, using 5-FU, which is a a cytotoxic drug. uh, We have never used it. Right. Okay. Because that, that's often sort of thrown into a lot, a lot yeah. of these flowcharts and algorithms of, you know, if it doesn't respond, yeah, you the, need to send to a dermatologist. Yeah. Back in the days. Yeah. Ah, so you don't think that that has any relevance nowadays. Now you've got the I've ultrasound. I've never used it. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's good to know. Cause you know, again, who's, who's trained no, to do but, that? No one. But again, but, but again, my dear friend, um, yeah, you should not, stop using it if in your hands it has given you the result that you wanted but we have never ever used it and we do 500 at first events uh, each year yeah i'm going to listen to you rather than someone who's done five fu twice because i think you've got better experience yeah Yeah. what about like surgical intervention i know you said you might drain an abscess manually but what about a growth or something that you know might need to be actually removed by like a surgeon does that yeah yeah, 50, 50 years ago, I did uh, three years of residency plastic surgery and everybody with an adverse event of a filler came in and we, we brought them to the OR and we cut it all open. Oh, wow. Yes, that was nice. <laughs> but uh, luckily enough, that's that's not necessary anymore. So thank God for ultrasound. Yeah. So cutting only in the, the, the buttocks uh, problems. But uh, that's also something for a different podcast. Right. What do you mean by that? I'm curious now. Like in the buttocks? Yeah, so people who, who, who oh, got buttocks. Sorry, I thought you meant Botox. Oh. Sorry, buttocks, yes. You mean but- like buttocks. Uh, buttocks. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so uh, they wanted to have a, a bigger ass. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I've heard some crazy uh, stories of silicon, cement, um, all sorts of stuff. It's, it's, it's outrageous. It's crazy. Crazy. Um, fair enough. Um, controversial issue, but we should talk about it. Product choice. Um, are any products more prone to problems in your experience? And and why more to the yeah, point? Yeah, I also got some bold statements about this. So I never use biostimulary products for we don't have an antidote. Uh, j- just to qualify, Sculptra Radius, those are the main ones that I would yeah. know of. Yeah. Okay, so you, so you don't use these, okay? Well, and what would no, actually? No, I, I, sorry, what do they I'm look like under bi- ultrasound? I'm heavily biased, of course. But what do they look like under ultrasound? Do they look similar? No, no, no. They look really different, and you cannot dissolve it. So you can watch with ultrasound. Right. But, uh, you can only dilute it a little bit. So never use it. Okay, good, good to know. Um, so not a fan of biostimulators. What about um, HAs now, themselves? I myself do, do not use it, but if patients of me say I want to be treated with a doctor with biostimulatory products mm. I refer them to colleagues who do it a lot yeah. for I think that with biostimulatory products the learning curve is way bigger than with HA fillers mm-hmm. yeah well, we had a lot of issues here in the early days with people not using correct dilution they weren't injecting it into the right plane um, not reconstituting it properly so there was a lot of issues around preparation mm. and injecting technique There's a good example of what Tom said earlier about, you know, it's almost the phase four trial happens once it's released to the market. And and you only find out about these things after people come back saying, look, I've got lumps around my periola region or whatever. Through that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What about um, brands of HA themselves? Do you have any that you like, don't like, you know, just tell us about what you use in your own practice, in your injecting practice, not not your complications. I only use use Juvederm and Restylane. Okay. 
And um, why do you choose those? What's what's you know what's the problem with the other ones, for example? No, there no there are no ah there are of course many bad bad HA fillers. I think there are four to ten that are good, and I used to those two brands because I was raised with them. Mm-hmm. In terms of the Juvederm range, because you know I like that myself. Do you have any particular fillers that you use or or you avoid? No, I use all the uh, uh, both Vicross and uh, the Ultra range, depending on the, the age of the patient, the place on the face, the the amount of edema the patient has, him or herself, etc. Et okay, so that's based on filariology, not your risk of complications. Now, surrounding the eye, I use, for instance, uh, Juvederm Ultra Two. Uh, because in my humble hands, it never gives edema. Okay, I don't think we have that here. So here we have Juvederm Ultra and Juvederm Ultra Plus. So I th- oh yeah, it's it's probably about the same. I think that this. The, I think the, the two Juvederm is Ultra, Ultra and three is Ultra Plus. Actually, yeah, you're probably could right. Could be, could be. Could okay, be, yeah. good to know. You've got Ultra under your eyes. Yes, you? long time ago. Yeah, wasn't done by me. But yeah. <laughs> still, it still looked, and it still lasted. Yeah, over fifteen years. Yeah, that's crazy. Fair enough. Well, look, I think we should possibly wrap this one up because yeah. I know Tom that you're time pressed again. You're a popular man. That's two podcasts we've had to try and cram, and we've still got more questions. Well, yeah. Well, he's going to get more now. We're going to have he's going to have less time for us in the future. So I'm glad we got you now. And with all these inquiries, are going to be coming in soon. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I've got, I got a couple of listener questions. I don't know if we can sneak one or two in, and then we'll let you go, Tom. Um, there's a new filler brand in, in Europe, and I know you're not a fan of new brands per se, but it's interesting that they use something different to, to crosslink. So crosslinking is normally BDDE, and this company called Nuvia are using something called PEG. Do you know anything about that and, and why they make their claims it's less immunogenic? <laughs> Yeah, I've heard about it. We'll see. But for again, we're going to do the post-market surveillance. So they tested it uh, by their own doctors in 100 patients. Yeah. But let's see what happens if uh, thousands of doctors use it. And then uh, hopefully uh, it works and we can all use it as a, as a binder. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, got a good friend in Norway, Dr. Karim Syed. Uh, he said... Are there any anatomical regions of the face that are particularly prone to these delayed onset reactions that in your experience? No, 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 okay. they're not. No, for delayed onset reactions, there are not. Fair enough. He had a second question. Do you believe in something called Asia syndrome, which for the yeah, lay people, yeah, including yeah. me, that stands oh. for autoimmune inflammatory syndrome uh, induced by adjuvants? Yeah, but again, that's an other podcast. Like <laughs> we, we, like I have, I also do research on breast implants with my colleagues, the plastic surgeons, and yeah, yeah, it, it's it's very tricky. But whether you like it or not, there are a lot of people who get their breast implants removed and they feel better. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. I think that the amount of HA filler or the amount of filler has something to do with it. So again heaps and heaps of amounts of HA filler injecting at exactly the same spot. It acts like a permanent filler. Permanent reaction of the immune system possibly could lead to Asia syndrome. Okay. So I, I've seen it. I've seen those complaints in women with heaps and heaps of um, silicon products in, uh, in, their, uh, in their butts. So, oof, I think it, it exists, but I don't think it exists yet with uh, with fillers. Okay. okay, it's actually a great point. Actually, th- th- those women who complain of breast implant sickness, um, there's been people who've had mesh put in for gynecological you know, operations and so on. I wonder whether this is all a similar immune thing. Is it all related? Do you think? Yeah, 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 yeah. But that is big, big uh, hypothesis-wise. Uh, yeah. I cannot uh, claim that yet. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, and also I know that there are fillers coming on the market for the body and, and skin elsewhere outside the face. And the presumption would be we're going to use more mills. Mm. Uh, so we'll maybe complications will become more common. Yeah, but we're uh, a, a long way from mills in the face and 200, 300, up to a thousand mills in the breasts. Mm. Yeah, big difference. One more. Okay, so Maurizio Saron, uh, I think I pronounced that correctly, from Hamburg in Germany. Um, do you think that injecting into the wrong muscle or layer might be a contributing factor to delayed yeah, onset yeah, nodules? Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, one of our next um, articles, which will be published, is about this subject. Okay. We believe that because of the different layers in the face and if you injected the wrong level, it can um, enhance getting an adverse event. Yeah, we, we fully believe that. But again, it's still a hypothesis. Eh? Again, all the research we've done and all the, the hypotheses we have, other people should also try to, to, uh, to, um, to do this mm. and to uh, replicate it and, and question what we've done and what we say. Please. I know you've got to go, but why in the muscle particularly is that a problem? Is that because it's mobile? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to dive into that uh, today, my friend. <laughs> you're getting a one-on. You're getting a one-on-one -on -one with Leonie and Peter. Uh -huh, and if okay. you buy her, a, right. uh, buy her a drink, I know for sure she will. Uh, brag about it. well i've actually organized a dinner so i'll, I'll definitely do that and, I, and yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you guys the what she said in our next podcast when i'm back <laughs> yeah I, I only will be there at the after party uh all for the good times fair enough well, well th thank yeah. you so much again um i know that again we still haven't got enough time but it's been fantastic to talk to you and i'm sure we'll do another one in in the long future when you've got more information and and learn even more absolutely thank you so much tom appreciate your time again yeah, the pleasure was all mine, my friends. Thank you. And, uh, David, I also hope to see you one time in Absolutely, person. Absolutely, yeah, ne next year potentially. Next year, we'll all go. See you later, my friends. All right, take care, buddy. Thanks, Tom. See you later. Ciao, Bye -bye. see you, bye. For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Using the link in our Instagram profile, you can easily email us, text us, apply to be a guest on the show, follow our personal accounts on Instagram, and even show your love and support us on Patreon. 